Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Would be un-American not to love ZZ Top. Un-American. Um, want to talk uh, just for a moment about what's happening. You just heard it in the news. This has been a big issue. There was a subcommittee meeting yesterday in at the Phoenix City Council as they were talking about moving forward with this project. And um, Carlos Garcia is an outgoing member of the city council. He went after the mayor. I still think it's deeper than, than just this issue with him. Um, the mayor endorsed his opponent in the race who won the race who will be seated, I think, on the 17th of this month. We had her, her name is uh, Keisha Hodge uh, Washington. She would really gave some great answers yesterday about um, available housing and attainable housing. And she, I think she's got some really good ideas. So she is someone that's a champion for this issue. What you're hearing, and you're going to hear this in a moment from Carlos Garcia – is an impossibility, first of all, and they know it. There's a difference with what you think the world should be and what the world is. And the continued effort by people on both sides of the political aisle that don't get their way, that want to force a legislative body to force their will upon the people, is not an American thing ever. But this is Carlos Garcia as he goes after Mayor Kate Gallego. never thought this was coming. You actually caught me off guard, Mayor. This is... This was even lower than than you've ever gone before. That's just not that, that. That's an insult beyond insults. She didn't go low. It, it, not at all. The issue is this has been going on for a very long time. Meetings and public input and public comment and the people that live in these places have known for a long time that this is coming. So what I'm talking about are some trailer parks in the area where Grand Canyon University is in that part of town. And um, there is land that was purchased by Grand Canyon, but also there are other landowners over there in which right now they are trailer parks. And so th- it has always been the plan for GCU to use that land um, as student housing as the school has expanded. So when this is the part of PR that bothers me because it really is about perception. And I think instead of it being called public relations, sometimes it should be perception relations because demonizing Grand Canyon University over this issue is a very easy thing to do. All you have to do is point a camera at somebody that is not necessarily a wealthy person. They're working class, uh, the working poor, and show them living in a trailer and have them say, I'm going to be homeless. And all of a sudden, whoever is causing that in the minds, even if it's self-induced, someone else is going to get blamed for being an evil person. And it's just not the case. What you see here are people that purchased land, gave people that were on that land ample time to make other arrangements, even helping them if they needed help in making those arrangements, big offers to helping them, which they never took them up on. And now that time has run out, now they're screaming that they're going to be homeless. And and this is if you want to be someone that really does a true investigation, tell both sides of the story. Tell the side of the story where the landowners and the city have worked with people saying we are going to have services available to you so that you can relocate before time runs out. And they didn't do it. Grand Canyon University, and again, I have no reason to just defend them. I don't have any affiliation with the school. I haven't gone to that school, but I've been on their campus. I've met Brian Mueller that heads up that organization. Um, The transformation of that neighborhood because of the investment by Grand Canyon University is incredible. 
that property values have gone up. The neighborhood has seen, uh, you know, just a, almost like a renaissance there. When you remember, if you isn't this interesting, if you go down in downtown Phoenix on Roosevelt Row, if you lived here 20 years ago and ever went from 7th Street and Roosevelt to 7th Avenue and Roosevelt, it was a disaster area. Drugs and prostitution and crime. Look at how different it is now because of investment. And that part of town and everybody loves it. Everybody thinks you don't think about people that were displaced or anything else that may have happened in that time frame. You look at that now and you think that is a pretty cool part of town. And thank God for the companies and the people that invested in this area to make it what it is. Property values have gone up in that neighborhood. People want to live there. It's a destination. Grand Canyon University was going to shut down. It was going to be gone. And a group came in, changed the business model, and has turned it into a thriving part of town. And other businesses have come in and property values have gone up. But part of this expansion plan was these this area that they purchased. They own the land and gave an extended period of time for these people that live in them. So I, I will tell you, I don't believe for a moment these landowners, whether it's GCU or other landowners, were ever the people that just said, get out. They're not Ebenezer Scrooge. This isn't the Grinch. And so when Carlos Garcia stands on a soapbox and he does this, this grandstanding is, 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 is a false narrative in two ways. One is that there hasn't been time given and all of a sudden people are just being unceremoniously thrown off their land. The other is that the city has any choice. I want you to think about your private property rights. I, I, I rail on people. I rail on uh, you know when you live in an HOA. I hate HOAs. Hate them. Hate them. Um, because it's my house. If I want to paint my house a color, I'm going to paint my house a color. My door does not have to match your your color patterns. It, I, that's just how I feel, and neither does yours. You know, and I, I've lived around neighbors that let their weeds grow and have a car in the front yard. I'd rather have that than have everybody look the same because of the rules and some person driving around in a golf cart and putting a ticket on my car because my I, I'm parked on the grass or whatever. But at the same time, I hate the idea of an HOA and somebody telling me how to live. You do too. If you have a piece of property and you want to build on it, when the city tells you, you can't do that. You're like, I can do whatever I want on my property. They purchased this property years ago, all with the idea of growth and expansion. But they also took into consideration, and, if, and check me on this. It's not, I'm not making this up. They gave people ample time and assistance to relocate. And if people chose not to do that, at some point, there is a drop dead date. And for Carlos Garcia and others to act as if the city council isn't doing what it needs to do is just not fair. You can't violate people's private property rights because you don't like what's happening. That's absurd. And so I, I will tell you that I don't think that I certainly know this is not the end of Carlos Garcia. When he leaves the Phoenix City Council, I think he is going to be um, a frequent figure down at the city. I think he will go back, go back to being an activist, which, listen, I can appreciate activism, but you got to get it right. If you're going to go to a crime scene and scream that the cops did something wrong, you better be right about it. And then when you're wrong about it, you should be man enough to stand up and say I was wrong about it this time. 
you tell the mayor that she's gone lower than you ever thought she could when you have no idea what could have been done or should have been done and you aren't willing to tell the people what's happened before is just not a fair thing. Coming up in a moment, we're going to go back to the border issue. Senator Cinema says that uh, the Department of Homeland Security is not prepared for the end of Title 42. What does that mean? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I want to uh, spin off before I move on. I want to spin off. I just want to finish a thought. We were just talking about people being displaced. The idea that progress and people that are of means are not people that are concerned is just it, it is such an old and tired conversation that, quite frankly, is very insulting. I, I want to re- I just learned of this this morning and I think it, it it fits in this conversation, although it's a completely different topic. Um you hear me talking about charitable organizations often. You know about my affinity for St. Mary's Food Bank and the people there and, and the you know the volunteers volunteering we've done there and then learning what they do. Um, and you also know that I know the people at uh, Hickman's Egg Farms, the family farms, I guess is what it's called, but they're egg farmers out in the far west valley, been here for generations. Um, Easter is Sunday. And th- today, today, Hickman's Family Farms donated 54,000 eggs to St. Mary's Food Bank so that families could celebrate Easter with their children, with Easter eggs. Um, with the expense of eggs right now, that is no small donation. Um, my point here is, behind the scenes, while we continue to have these ridiculous fights about who cares the most and who doesn't care and the rich don't care and the poor get poorer, and it's just not the case that – There are people out there that work and make a nice living so that they can give, so that they can benefit their communities. And I just I thought I'd point this out. Um, You know, we we talk about during the holiday season. I mention all the time about intentional giving and individuals can give and you give to an organization like St. Mary's. I can tell you I know for a fact whether you're giving money or you're giving time that they are going to be good stewards of either one. But when you hear of a company like this who without um, any kind of fanfare – they didn't ask me to say this. I'm saying this because I want to. Here is a local company um, that – you know they suffered a horrible fire and and all that other stuff that happened. They're giving 54,000 eggs to St. Mary's Food Bank so that families can celebrate Easter. I think that's an amazing gesture. I think that is more of an indicator – of what this community as a whole is instead of what we're seeing saying that, oh, we're just we don't care about poor people being forced out of their trailers. The narrative is just wrong. Dig deeper. I, I'm not always right. I, you know, and I, I've, I've had people say to me, look a little deeper and figured out I was scratching the surface and what I thought was there wasn't there. Dig deeper. And you'll see what's happening here. It it still is unfortunate. I still feel for the people that won't have those trailers to live in. But they they had options. They have options. I would also like to be a part of the solution for them. But just saying we're not going anywhere and anybody that tells us we have to get off this land is an evil, horrible person, it, it just is the wrong narrative, in my opinion. It's the wrong narrative. 
Um, and we can, I think we can do better. You know, uh, again, I've had Carlos Garcia on the show. We don't agree on much, if anything. Um, I didn't agree with his stance on policing. <clears throat> and I think he's leaving now with some sour grapes. Uh, Carlos Garcia is an activist, which is something to be respected. I, I don't agree with his activism, but I agree with being an activist. I like that he does that. I think Carlos Garcia is going to be a frequent, uh, a frequent face down at the city. I think he's going to probably attend as many meetings now as a private citizen and an activist than he did ever as a council member. And he's entitled to do that. But when you go out there and spew a narrative that is not 100% accurate, I just think it's the wrong thing to do. The city council has done everything it can in this regard. The people that own these pieces of property have a right after a certain amount of reasonable time to do what they want with their property. And this rich versus poor, you're kicking me off my land idea is a false narrative. It's just not true. And, uh, I, you know, I know that there are two separate issues, but I look at the community and I see it the way I want to see it, I guess, as do you. And I would look at my community and say this donation to St. Mary's Food Bank is more indicative of the large companies or organizations and the good they do than what you're seeing here as a bad thing or at least as being portrayed by some as a bad thing. I just don't think that it is. So, all right, I'm going to get off my soapbox with this. What we're going to do, and I'm going to I'm going to carry it over because I'm getting run, running out of time. Is um, we are going to talk about Senator Cinema, um, and she took another delegation of members of Congress, and they did a tour of the border yesterday. And what could they possibly have learned? What have they learned now that they didn't know then? I think it's a good question because Senator Cinema has made a pretty bold statement in saying that there is no plan for the end of Title 42. And when you start seeing more people at the border, it isn't just that you're pulling people away from border checkpoints. CBP, the people that are charged, Customs and Border Protection, have a huge, huge task in front of them. They have a big responsibility, and they're not staffed for it. And making it worse on any level is a disaster. So that's what we're going to explore are some of these issues that we face. And what is, what's the reality? In reality, what can be done? Um, I think that it's a great study. What we're going to do is we'll do that coming up here in a few moments and talk about the challenges at our southern border that have now become bigger challenges at the northern border. All of it's coming up next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I want to invite you once again. We are very proud of the Action Alliance and of the response we've gotten from the community. If you would like to help us in community service projects, just be a part of some of them or all of them. We've got a great team of people that come out all the time to these things. We have a lot of fun and do great work in the community. Just text the word ACTION to 411923. You'll be notified when events are coming up. You can sign up for all the ones you want to come to. It's action to 411923. We'll even send you a T-shirt. Um, the headline, and I think this is the story, Senator Kirsten Cinema, Homeland Security not ready for the end of border restrictions, meaning Title 42. Um, 
This is another, I think, another misstep uh, in the federal government. This is their responsibility, and there's just no way around it. And, you know, to have I, – I wish I had thought of this, and it's my I, – I, if to refresh your memory, um, the vice president of the United States was asked in an interview, is the border secure? And she said the border is secure. In as much and whatever she talked about priorities in this big word salad answer, the border is not secure. It is not. Um, And when you see the work our border agents do, it's incredible. So CBP, Customs and Border Protection. Um, they are truly the front lines, not just in human traffic that comes across the border illegally and drug traffic, but all these other things. And I'm learning more in this documentary series I'm watching, which is another reason why I've been so focused on this. They are juggling so many things, trying to keep us safe. Um, I didn't even think about a lot of this stuff. When people come into the country and they search their bags they're supposed to declare, um, and if it's food, sometimes food is not allowed to be brought in certain types of food because along with them come insects, and the insects can kill crops. So what they do is they disallow certain food items, and they have to interdict it, or we're going to have trouble with our agriculture here in the U.S. It's a big problem. They also uh, – animals being brought in and uh, uh, artifacts being stolen, people not paying the duty when they buy things from other countries over a certain limit and bring it in, people that are also uh, uh, taking and distributing and laundering money. You have to declare any amount of money you have over $10,000 in cash when you go. So they are tasked with doing all of these other safety things and border protection. They've got CBP officers at all of our ports of entry, and their job is to be able to, to ferret out uh, where there are some vehicles that may be carrying contraband or 18-wheelers with these heavy loads. And you get to look into how clever and how sophisticated the smugglers have become, especially when you have things like fentanyl, which is easier to pack in small packages. It's an incredible task. So now on top of all of that, with every legal channel that the federal government's been able to use, Title 42 being one of them. Now you you have we know that's expiring. The courts are saying it's time, but nothing from this administration. There is no plan that is going to solve this problem. And having more people cross our border even through ports of entry and making asylum declarations is going to burden what happens at the border. And so uh, you watching when you watch this show is so compelling. It's called To Catch a Smuggler. It's a Nat Geo documentary series. I I got it on Amazon Prime. Um, The compelling thing about it is how good they are at their jobs, how diligent they are at their jobs, but how overwhelmed they are. You know, you get a you get an airplane coming in from Bogota and you may have intel on one specific person that is a known affiliate of a drug dealer. And they may fit a criteria of making frequent trips and not having a lot of bags and all this other stuff. And they spend a lot of time investigating that pulling. But there's hundreds of people that are coming in through the gates and they're they're bringing in one or two and they're catching people more often than not. People are good to go. They say, listen, we need to see your bags. We need to see your passport. They do a little bit of a conversation and the people are gone because everything is fine. But it's when they catch people and it's drug importation. We need more people doing that. 
We need more people that are freed up to whether it's inspecting vehicles or inspecting people getting off of airplanes, whatever it is. We need more people doing that if we're going to put a dent in this fentanyl problem. But what we are do what we do know is happening is this huge increase in the number of people that have come over the last couple of years to this country and overwhelming that system. And we also know we are going to see an increase in people crossing into our country when Title 42 expires. And we what we haven't heard from this administration is a clear plan and how it's going to be fixed. The, the vice president of the United States was tasked as the border czar, and she made a trip to El Paso, Texas for about an hour and a half. And she also went, I believe, to Mexico, but I don't think she went anywhere else. And the plan was we're going to give money to countries and we're going to get together and we're going to do a lot of things and nothing has been done. And this is my frustration with the American voter is we can you can listen to me and talk about it. Maybe some of you are nodding your head in agreement with me that something needs to be done. But we aren't motivating the decision makers. Um, It's got to be the president's party who he needs to listen to that gets him to change his policies in real ways. Is it not to you? Don't you think it's fascinating that uh, Chuck Schumer? Nancy Pelosi, leadership in the Democratic Party in Congress, they aren't talking to anybody that disagrees with them on the issue. If they talk to a border uh, leader, if they talk to a law enforcement in a border town, it's always someone that agrees with them. And they don't seek out the experts that have been working in the border politics and the border issue for decades sometimes. They're not asking what the real problems are and what those experts believe are real solutions. That's what leaders do. And, you know, they they are not going to um, rile up their base against them. They are going to continue to toe the line when they hear from people in their party that want open borders, that they don't want more border protection, that they believe that more border protection is inhumane, that it should be an open door policy. People should not have to wait in other countries to come here. They don't want to rile that part of their base up. Now, may, they may b- believe it, except if you go back 10, 15 years, maybe 15 years, all of the Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, were border hawks. That illegal immigration was taking American jobs and pushing down wages. They all said it. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do the refresher soon. I'm going to pull that speech from Chuck Schumer, and you are going to be shocked at how much you agree with what Chuck Schumer used to say about the border. And the problem with it is, and I I, I should have said this sooner, the problem with this is the good people that deserve a chance here. And I think as Americans, I think we most of us say deserve is a good word. There are people that deserve a shot at the American dream, that they should have a big wide door at the border that we can easily bring people in that want to be Americans or they want to come here and contribute and earn money for their family. And we should be a part of an immigration system that we're proud of. I would love to see more and more and more of the American Dream stories. I think they are amazing stories of people that have come here and in one generation changed the entire trajectory of generations in their family. And we owe it to the world to be that and be the best we can be at it. And we're just simply not. It's ugly right now.
What we're going to do in a moment, are roads more dangerous because we have fewer cops patrolling them? A study that is absolutely interesting coming up in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, There is now starting to be stories written on a different part of law enforcement, but one we've talked about and we've been dealing with here in the Valley for a long time, especially on the streets of Phoenix, and that is unsafe streets in many cases and uh, an uptick in fatalities and accidents and crashes because we don't have enough people patrolling the streets. So I want you to hear – uh, a couple of things here, a couple of different mindsets. Seattle Police Chief talking about why officers are handing out fewer citations. Some of the officers don't feel like they have enough adequate time to do the traffic enforcement. And that's part of it. Um, NPR talking about the police are handing out uh, fewer um, um uh, fewer citations, but also talk about the impact of officer retention in the protests in that city. Chief Adrian Diaz says his department lost hundreds of officers after the protests in 2020. And those who are left need to spend more of their shifts on urgent calls. Now, here is um, a, a research associate from the Urban Institute talking about what it's kind of an advocate for fewer stops. For people of color and specifically black people, they can actually be one of the most dangerous interactions that they have. And that's from experiences of not only physical harm when something terrible happens, like a shooting or a murder or something like that, but also emotional harm and mental anxiety and stress. So... How is it that we are going to only pull over white people? Um, I don't I don't understand that school of thought. Um, I think we've all been pulled over. I've been pulled over. I've talked about the times I've been pulled over, how I was taught to handle a traffic stop by a police officer, pull into a safe place. If you can only pull off to the side of the road, pull as far off the road as you possibly and safely can. Um, if it's nighttime, put down all of your windows, turn the dome lights on so an officer can see inside of your car. I always make sure my hands where an officer can see them. Um, I'm not necessarily required to some places are but i always tell an officer if i am armed and where the gun is in my vehicle giving them the option to go and get the gun if they want um, i do all of those things as a courtesy so an officer knows that they are safe with me but what these stories are talking about is that we are seeing more and more traffic fatalities and crashes because of a lack of enforcement or a lack of cops to do the enforcement. Um, On the surface streets of Phoenix, there has been a big issue about what are we going to do about red light runners because we had so many people injured and killed by red light runners. We also know that people are being killed in the middle of the streets because we have dark streets at night and people are walking into the street or crossing the street and are hit and run over. Um, How are we going to solve these problems? Well, part of it is enforcement. We used to have Phoenix motor officers around the city of Phoenix. Whenever you saw a motorcycle cop, everybody slowed down. If they were if they were at an intersection, they would be there, and so you wouldn't run the red light. You'd see them in the distance. They were very visible, and you knew if it turns yellow, I'm going to put on the brakes, and I'm going to stop. I'm not going to speed up and get through the light. Um, we also know that when it comes to our freeways, our DPS is dramatically understaffed. They do so much more than traffic, but let's focus just on traffic for a moment. Um, just in the time that I've lived in Arizona, 
Um, the 60 has been widened and extended. Um, we have seen the both the north and south 202. We've seen the expansion of the 202 around the backside of the south side of South Mountain out to 59th Avenue in the West Valley. We've seen an extreme widening of I-10, the installation of the 101 and the 303. So we've got the 101, the 202, and the 303 have been installed since then. Um, and we have not – this is just in the valley. And we've not really increased the number of troops around the state. We are going to have a dramatic increase in the size of the I-17 going north um, because of the travel going to the northern part of Arizona. We've seen extreme growth between Phoenix and Tucson with Casa Grande and Marana and other places with the town of Maricopa. That road, was is that the 387 that's out there? Um, is a disaster waiting to happen all the time with that road from Maricopa into Phoenix. But enforcement, we don't have enough people enforcing it. And you and I both know that whether it's speed or it's you know what we would consider to be crime, more of it happens when there are less officers enforcing. And so this makes sense, this headline. Um, you know, that, are we seeing this? America's roads are more dangerous as p- police pull over fewer drivers. Um, I, and I'll, I mean, listen, I, I'm pretty honest about my behavior and my life. I drive fast. I am somebody that does drive fast. Um, and even I am surprised because everybody thinks that their amount, their speeding is the right level of speeding. There's an old George Carlin joke that says that uh, anybody that drives slower than you is a jerk and anyone that drives faster than you is a moron. That's an old George Carlin joke. So all of us speed. We just think our speed is the right amount of speeding over the speed limit. But even I will be driving on the 101 and realize someone – I'm like, hey, look at this car. I'm looking at my speedometer. I know I'm going over the speed limit, but oh my gosh, and they go whipping by. Um but it is also about driver safety and running red lights. We don't have enough enforcement when it comes to the times, you know, for the DUIs, when there's you know big events and times of year. Um, do we have enough people to keep the roads safe? And this is a great study because in every aspect of our society where policing is necessary, we don't have enough of it. And yet you still have some people advocating and saying, no, 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 we need less stops. And I just disagree with that. We need better stops. We need better trained, better equipped officers so that they can do a full good job whenever it's necessary. Um, just after 11 o'clock, we're going to talk about the economy as Goldman is warning of a, a, a huge surge in tomorrow's initial jobless claims. That should scare everyone. But when you couple it with the layoffs that are coming, when you couple it with uh, possible business credit being rescinded uh, and all of the other things that are happening, are we now rolling downhill in some bad parts of the economy? We're going to get to all of that coming up here next.